Amen. I told our folks this week while we were in Macon that um, I would have drove to Macon just for the services that we had there nightly. We experienced the presence and power of God in an amazing way. Let me tell you what I'm thankful for. That wherever you are as the people of God, we can have church. Amen? We had it there as the people of God. And we came back here this morning and we've just had church. We've just been in the presence and power of God all over again. The Bible says that He inhabits, He dwells in the praises of His people. I want to thank you this morning for bringing um, the Lord worship through praise today, the songs that we were singing, what a blessing that truly is. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to John chapter number 13. John chapter 13, and we're going to look at the first five verses. Let's read those together. When you got it, say, I got it. Amen. John 13, verse 1. Now, therefore, the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. I don't know about you as a child of God this morning, but that blesses my soul. Let me tell you why that blesses my soul. Because I am one that Jesus loves and I am in the world. And the Bible says that Jesus loved his disciples then unto the end. And I want to tell you something, nothing's changed. Jesus still loves his disciples unto the end. As long as we are upon the face of this earth, Jesus loves us. Can you say amen to that? He loves you today. If you're here today and you are a child of God, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He loves you in spite of the circumstances you face. He loves you in spite of the problems you have. He loves you in spite of whatever is going on in your life this morning. Unto the end, Jesus loves you. Now, it's important we realize that. Because there's going to become, become times in our lives, even as believers, where we wonder, does Jesus love me? There'll be times in your life when you're going through terrible uh, problems and diff difficult situations and circumstances that are beyond your control, and the enemy is going to come and whisper in your ear, does God really love you? Well, let me tell you, upon the authority of the Word of God, upon the words of, of what God's Word says to us, He loves you unto the end. No matter what's going on in your life, child of God. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, you've not been born again into God's family by grace through faith in Jesus. I want you to know He loves you too. He loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. But you cannot realize the love Jesus has for you until you've accepted Him as Savior. So He loves them unto the end. When I saw that this week as I was preparing for this message, that just blessed my soul. No matter what, Jesus loves you. 
No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how you have succeeded or how you have failed, Jesus loves you. No matter what you've lost or what you've gained, Jesus loves you. Then he says in verse 2, watch this. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things. Everybody say all things. All things were given unto his hands. All authority had been given unto Jesus in heaven and in earth. Can you say amen to that? Wow. And that he was come from God. And he went back to God. I love how John writes this. Man, how powerful it is. He's giving us some truth here. We need to get a hold of it. Then he goes on and says in verse 4, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Let us pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much that you love us Unto the end, no matter what, no matter what we're going through, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, Lord, I am so thankful this morning that your love is unconditional for us. Thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. We can trust in what it says, Lord. We can apply it unto our lives. We can be what you've called us to be. We can do what you've called us to do by your power. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that these people are here uh, listening to what you have for them. And Lord, that's what we need, what you have for us. Lord, these people don't need to hear what I have to say. This morning, we need to hear straight from heaven. So Lord, I'm asking that you move me out out of the way, that you place me behind the cross and you use me by your power to speak your truth to your people. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen and amen. We have been talking a whole lot for the last month or so, about abundant living. And Jesus himself promises abundant life to all who receive him. I'm thankful for that. And if you are a child of God this morning, you ought to be thankful for that. And if you are not yet a child of God, you can be thankful if you'll just trust in Jesus today. Now, what is abundant life? Well, abundant life is a life of joy. It's a life of peace, a life of purpose. It's a life of contentment. Um, The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said in Romans 14 and verse number 17, he describes for us kingdom living, which is abundant living. And he said it's righteousness, it's joy, and it's peace in the Holy Ghost. That is available to all who receive the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a life of contentment where we rest in who Jesus is and what He has done for us. Now the life I'm talking about today, uh, listen, is a life where you thrive and you don't merely just survive. Abundant living is a, a life that you live and not merely just exist in. Abundant living is when you make a difference. It's a life that's not wasted. It's a life that God uses for His honor and His glory. That's abundant living and that's what Jesus promises. Now I've given you some steps. I've given you two steps so far to abundant living. The first one being you need a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus if you're going to have abundant life. That's number one. That's paramount. With that, without that, you cannot experience all that God has for you in this life uh, and in the, in the next life throughout all eternity. You see this morning, I'm not asking you if you have, are a member of a church. 
I'm not asking you if you're a good person. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm not asking you if you've signed a card. I'm not asking you any of that stuff. I'm asking you this morning, do you know that you know that you know that you've been born again into God's family? Do you know that the Holy Spirit of God has once upon a time convicted you of your sin and shown you your great need for a Savior? Do you know that God the Holy Spirit has so done a work on the inside that it is continually making a difference on the outside day by day as you live your life? Do you know that you've been born again? Do you have that personal relationship with Jesus? For without that, you cannot have the abundant life Jesus promises. How many of you know you can't have abundant life until you know the creator of life? And you can only know the creator of life when you place your faith in Jesus. Can you say amen to that? I'm not telling you that because I have an experience. I have experienced it. And listen, I know there was no life in me before Jesus, not the abundant life he promises. I might have been existing, but I wouldn't really live in. Amen. And this morning, uh, I want you to know the abundant life that I have received. So first and foremost, it's about a personal relationship with Jesus. But let me tell you what I found out. Even though I know God has done a work on the inside that's made a difference on the outside, even though I know I've been saved, I know I've been born again, there have been times in my Christian walk when I have forfeited the abundant life that's been bought and paid for at the cross because I wasn't doing as a child of God what God wanted me to do. Anybody else? Can anybody else say amen to that? Absolutely. All of us can. All of us can. So I told you, listen to me now, not only do we need a personal relationship with Jesus, number two was we ought to pray continually. How many of you know this morning that prayer is a privilege of the children of God? It's a privilege we should be taking advantage of. We must take advantage of prayer if we're going to be what God wants us to be. How many of you know a praying people is a powerful people? A praying church is a powerful church. A praying church is about the business of the Lord. I'm telling you, we need to be, we must be a praying people. E.M. Bounds, one of my favorite writers on the subject of prayer. If you want a good book on prayer, you look up anything that E.M. Bounds has written. He wrote it years ago. He lived back in the 1800s. But this brother had it going on as far as prayer. I'm telling you. He said the greatest thing we can do for God or for man is to pray for him. Isn't that the truth? I believe that with all my heart. Because when we pray, the power of God is released upon our situation. Wow. We need to pray continually. Let me tell you why prayer is so powerful. Why it brings abundant life. (laughs) Folks, I've got dear brothers and sisters in Christ that I know would be with me and do whatever they could for me No matter what was going on in my life, a lot of them sitting right here in this building this morning. I've got dear brothers and sisters in the family of God that I know if I needed them any time, day or night, no matter what was going on in my life, if I called them, I believe they'd be there for me. I really do. Uh, Brother Don Wilson sitting right here. I love this brother. I'm thankful for him. I believe with all my heart this brother's got my back. He's had my back for four and a half years. 
I came here and the first Sunday I was here, I met with my deacons and I said, guys, I want to tell you this, as long as I'm living for Jesus and as long as I'm pointing the, 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 the church toward Christ and I'm giving them the word of God, all I'm asking you to do is to stand with me and stand for me. If you'll do that, we're going to be fine. I'm going to tell you that. My deacon brothers, all of them in this church have done this since that first Sunday. I believe with all my heart, if I asked this brother to come help me whenever I needed help, he'd be there for me. I believe that. Dear brother in Christ, so thankful for him. But guess what? Even though I love this brother and I'm thankful for him, we got a close relationship, all that's true. Let me say this. There's a lot of things I can't talk to him about. I mean, there's a lot of things that I struggle with I can't talk to him about. There's a lot of things that I fail in I can't talk to him about. There's a lot of things I worry about myself that I can't talk to him about. He's not going to understand. He don't know my heart. He don't know where I'm coming from. He don't know what I'm going through. But let me tell you what I'm so thankful for. Oh, listen to me, church. Listen to me, believer. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And whatever we're going through, we can bring it to the feet of the Lord Jesus. Say, Lord, here it is. I can't do nothing with it. I'm going to tell you, there's power in that. God brings peace in that. And my Jesus, who I can bring all my petitions before, he, he promises that He listens to me. If I ask anything according to His will, we have this confidence in Him that He hears us. First John 5, 14. Not only does He hear me, He has the power to fix my situation, whatever it might be. But many times, we forfeit the abundant life that's already been purchased when we choose to carry the weight of the world's problems ourselves instead of casting them on the Lord. Sometimes you just got to give it to God and walk off. Give it to God and be faithful in what He's called you to do. You can't fix other people. Are you hearing me? I can love them. I can speak truth in love. I can be there for them. But I can't fix them. So I've come to the place where, I, you know, sometimes I just put it in the hands of Jesus and I walk off. And I do what He wants. I please Him the best of my ability by His power. If you're getting this, say amen this morning. Amen. Listen, folks. Many times what we do, we worry sick, worry ourselves sick about everything and we pray about nothing when God's word plainly says we ought to pray about everything and worry about nothing. Worry, doubt, discouragement, all of that is really a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust. Because if we really trusted like we need to, like we're supposed to, like God's Word says that we should, we'd just give it to the Lord. We'd cast our care upon Him where He cares for us. We forfeit the peace of God because we choose not to pray and give to God what only He can fix. We need a personal relationship with Jesus. We need to pray continually. Let me give you number three this morning. We need a purpose to serve. Purpose to serve. How many of you know you've been saved to serve if you've been saved? And you will never, ever, 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 ever experience the abundant life that's already been purchased for you by the Lord Jesus until you get busy serving. 
You're either going to sit and sour, or you're going to get saved and serve. Amen? There's a lot of sour people sitting on a church pew because they're not doing what God wants them to do. They're sour, they're unhappy, they're discouraged. They're sitting there looking like they've been baptized in pickle juice and sucked on a persimmon right before they walked into the church house. Listen to me. We are called to walk in the joy of the Lord, but a serving Christian is a joyful Christian. You're missing out on what God has for you. You get to be a part of what the sovereign God of the universe is doing in this earth, and there's joy in it telling you there's joy in it is it easy no matter of fact it's hard let, let me go a step further it's so difficult i found i can't do it amen it's so difficult sometimes i don't want to do it i was talking to a pastor friend just this week that i met on the trip and he said brother i'm just going to be honest with you he said I love the ministry. Sometimes I hate the ministry. I got some weird looks when I said that. I know where he's coming from. I love serving Jesus, but sometimes it gets tough. I've come to find out if you're not in it for Jesus, you're not going to be in it long. If you're in it to please people, that's going to last just about as long as the water gets hot. Because the water's going to get hot quick. People are going to fail you. People ain't going to be faithful. People are going to do things they shouldn't do. And if you're in it for people, just merely for people, I'm going to tell you, you're going to lose interest real quick. What you're doing, you better be doing for Jesus. Now, does that involve people? Absolutely. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But I'm saying your main goal in service and the service God's called you to do, it better be to please Jesus above everything else. Because if it's not, it's not going to last. And there's, and there's not going to be any fruit in it. Not going to be any joy in it. So I've come to find out service is difficult. It's hard. I can't do it. I can't do what needs to be done. But let me tell you what's so glorious in it. God, by His power, always does what's needed. It's amazing. And it's through that I grow in my relationship with Him and with others. I love how the Lord does things. Keep your place there in John 13. Brother, if you will, please put up for me Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. You can just look at this on the screen or you can turn if you choose to. But in Ephesians chapter 2, we'll be coming back to John 13. But in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read to you something here that just um, I think... It's foundational for us as believers concerning our service to the Lord. Ephesians 2 verse 8. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Hey, we all about grace around here. Y'all know that, don't you? Mount Zion, we preach grace. We're going to keep preaching grace. That's the only way you can get saved. For by grace, God's undeserved favor, through your faith, your trust in what Jesus has done for you for the forgiveness of sin. That's how you get saved. By God's grace, through faith. He makes it crystal clear. He says, that, and it's not of yourselves. It's not about who you are and what you've done, what you do or what you don't do. 
Amen? It is a gift, watch this now, of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So how many of you know you're not saved by what you do? You're not. And anybody who believes you are, listen, you don't have real salvation. You say, brother, how do you know my heart? I don't know your heart, but I know what God's word says. You're not saved because you come to church a lot. You're not saved because, listen, you do good things in the community. You're not saved because you believe your own self to be a good person. Let me tell you how you're saved. You trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You fall down hopeless and helpless at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I need you. And he, by his power, through the person of the Holy Spirit, saves you. By grace, through faith. Your works do not save you, but I'll say this. If you've really been saved by grace through faith, it'll change your works. You will then receive a desire to do what's pleasing unto Jesus. Look at the next part of this. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let me give you my commentary on Ephesians 2, 8, and th 8 through 10. You're not going to find this in This is what I believe he's saying here. And, uh, and, and, and um, maybe it's a good thing you won't find it anywhere else. But, but let me say this. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus for the purpose of good works. Does that make sense to you? By grace through faith we're saved for the purpose of good works. He goes on to say, we are His workmanship. What does that mean? We are created new in Christ Jesus by His power, by grace through faith, by the power of God to fulfill the purpose of Jesus in this earth. Let me see if I can illustrate it for you this morning. This chair had a creator. A carpenter somewhere at some time created this chair and this chair became His workmanship. Now, his workmanship, that means this chair that the Creator created has a purpose. How many of you know, if he created this chair and it's never used, it's useless. It'll never fulfill its purpose. Its purpose is to, uh, to provide somewhere for somebody to sit. You say, well, Brother Israel, is that really a worthy purpose? Well, have you ever been really tired and need to sit down? Absolutely. Serves a great purpose. But if it's not used, it'll never fulfill the purpose it was created to fulfill. Now the Bible says we are His workmanship. We've been created new in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we always want to talk about that. For uh, we are create. Let me go over and just read it to you. I don't want to misquote it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the 17th verse. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That means we are a new creation in Christ Jesus when we are saved. He creates us anew. We become his workmanship created for his purpose. Our creator has created us by his power to fulfill his purpose right here in this earth. That's where service comes in.
you are always going to be happiest doing what you've been created to do. Years ago, me and my family went to uh, Missouri. What's that place in Missouri everybody goes to for vacation? Branson, Missouri. We went to Branson, Missouri, stayed up there a week. We was coming home from Branson, Missouri, and we came through Clinton, Arkansas. We're driving through Clinton, Arkansas on our way back home, and we look over to our right, my little girl, Anna Kate. At that time, she was about, how old, honey, three, four years old probably. She was the only, only child we had at that time. And she looked over and saw some puppies in a Walmart parking lot and automatically went wild over those puppies. Daddy, please, 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 Daddy. Look. She wanted a puppy. Wanted to stop and look at them. Just let me stop and look at them. Just let me, let me hold them. Let me pet them. And I done what I should never have done. I turned the car around. You do stuff for your kids you won't do for some. No, you know what I'm saying? That big old blue, pretty little girl sitting there in them curls, man. I couldn't say no to her. I turned around, pulled back in the Walmart parking lot. That brother that was getting rid of these puppies for free for a reason. Mangy, flea-bitten dogs, I'm telling you. And he was just tickled to death when he saw us pull up because he saw that blonde hair sitting up there in that car seat. He took that puppy over to her and put it right in her lap. She's just rubbing the hair off of her. And he knew right then and there he just got rid of a puppy. See, all he's going to do is just stop and look at him, let her pet him. No, we came home with that dog. And listen, we kept that dog for a long time. It was part walker hound and part blue tick hound. Now, if y'all don't know anything about hound dogs, hound dogs like to bark. And they're really good at it. I mean, really good at it. And what this dog would do, he would get right up under my window at night. You know, and y'all know, just like he had treed a coon at the corner of the house. And he's sitting right under my window. Over and over and over. And I'd holler at him, tell him to stop, get back. And it'd work for five or ten minutes, he'd be right back barking. That dog loved to bark. He was happy barking. Let me tell you why. That's what he's created to do. He's a hound dog. You don't want a fish is happiest when he's swimming. You don't believe me, go catch you a fish and put him out on land for a little while. He don't look too happy. <laughs> and the longer you let him stay on land, he's just going to get more unhappy. When are they happy when they're swimming? When is a bird happiest? When it's flying. When it's sitting on that, bird, on that uh, uh, window, or window sill or on the, on the tree branch singing. Wow, they're created for those things. When is a Christian the happiest? When they're serving. See, a lot of you are not walking an abundant life. You don't have that peace. You don't have that joy. You don't feel that purpose. You're not content in your Christian walk. You're try, kind of just still existing. You're not really thriving. You're just trying to survive, even though you're a child of God, because you're not serving. You're doing just enough to get by. I'll come to church on Sunday if I feel like it, if I don't feel like it, or I ain't got anything that, that else that I, I, want, I want to do more. I'll come on to church if it don't hinder any of my other plans. You're not serving. You're treating Jesus like a hobby. If I've got time, 
then I'll serve. Then I'll do what he wants me to do. If it don't hinder whatever else I really want to do. And you wonder why. You're not experiencing the abundant life. Get real, man. Let's get busy. Let's be what God wants us to be. What he saved us to be. What does that look like? Look with me. John chapter 13. Very quickly, let me answer three questions. Look what happens. First of all, we want to see who is serving. John chapter 3, verse number 3. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things... Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into His hand, that He was come from God and He went to God. Now, how many of you know, listen to me now, the Bible says in the book of Colossians, all things were created by Jesus and all things were created for Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says that Jesus was God, He was with God, and there wasn't anything made that was made unless it was made by Him. Jesus has always been God. He was God before Adam. He didn't just become God when He was born in Bethlehem. He's always been God. He's God incarnate in human flesh right here and we're reading in John 13. The God of all creation. Amen. Now, he's the one who is serving. Now, why am, I, why am I trying to make this point for you? You, you? Just because you have a title or you think you're more important than what you actually are doesn't mean you shouldn't be serving. If Jesus is willing to humble himself and serve, we all ought to be willing to humble ourselves and serve if we're going to be like Jesus. And let me say this, there is no job too big for you as a child of God if God calls you to it. If He calls you to it, He'll bring you through it by His power. There's no job too big if God calls you to it. But let me say this, there's no job too small either. Whatever it is. Hey, if it's sweeping the floor, if God, if God gives you the ability and the opportunity to do it, do it for the kingdom of God. Amen? No job too big or too small. If God calls you to teach a Sunday school class, teach it. God puts that on your heart, do it. God calls you to work in our children's ministry, do it. God calls you to do whatever, do it. God calls you to preach, do it. God calls you to the mission field, do it. What God calls you to do, what He speaks to your heart, you do it. There's no job too big and there's no job too small. Jesus, the God from heaven, incarnate in the flesh, humbled Himself and washed the feet, some stinking, nasty, dirty feet of men. That brings my next question. Who is He serving? He's serving people. Amen? We talk about love, serve, and encounter around here. That's really what our, we feel our mission is. Love God, love people. Serve God, serve people. Encounter God, encounter people. We love, therefore we serve, and we serve that we might encounter. 
Encounter who? God and people. I love God, so I serve God. How do I serve God? I serve God by serving people. Meeting needs. Doing what I can for my fellow man. Amen? Making a difference in people's lives. Loving people that are unlovable. Going the extra mile. Isn't that what Jesus called us to? Didn't he say stuff like, if somebody asks you to go one mile with them, just go ahead and go two? Didn't he say, if somebody asks for your coat, go ahead and give them your cloak also? The coat was the outer garment. The cloak was the inner garment. He said, if they ask you for one, go the extra mile. Go just a little bit further. Make a difference in people's lives. He served men. If we're going to be Christ-like, we should do the same thing. Through humility, just be willing to meet the need as we see the need. Why? Because we love Jesus and we love people. Now, is that always easy? No. Think about who Jesus is serving right here. Now, Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh. How many of you know he knew what was going to happen past, present, and future? He knew that in just a few hours, Peter was going to deny him three times. He knew Peter was going to turn his back on him when he needed him the most. Along with the other disciples, remember the other disciples, James, John, and Peter, Jesus said, would you go with me and you, you be praying as I go a little bit further and pray on to the Father? And he came back three times. Guess what he found? They were asleep on him. He knew all of that was fixing to take place. He knew they were going to go to sleep on him. He knew they were going to deny him. But guess what he did? He still humbled himself because he loved them and he washed their stinking nasty feet. Are you getting that? So none of us can say, I'm not going to serve this person or that person because of what they said to me or what they did to me or because of how they act or what they... Listen, just love them like Jesus loves them. And I'll tell you, that makes all the difference. Who is serving? Jesus is serving. If Jesus can humble himself, we ought to humble ourselves and do what's needed. Who is he serving? Well, he's serving men, just people. People are just people are just people, imperfect. But God loves them, and we should as well. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 10. The Bible says something that I love that we need to get a hold of. Verse 10 says, As, ye, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Not some men, not most men. Not men that we perceive to be doing the right thing. Not men uh, we perceive to be good men by our own standard. He says, as we have opportunity, do good unto all men. Especially unto them of the household of faith. He makes a distinction. He says, especially to you brothers and sisters in Christ. Do good unto all men. But when it comes to your family of believers, especially do what you can for those folks. Love them. Serve them. See the need. Meet the need. 
Jesus is serving. He's serving people. If Jesus serves people, we ought to serve people. How does he serve? And this is what I want to get to. He says, that, verse 4, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments. Now, what are these garments? Well, it's his robes, his outer garment. Now, how many of you know Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords? If you believe it, say amen. How you know, he, he was the one who holds the preeminence according to the book of Colossians. He's the potentate. The one who has all authority and all power. The first place. That's preeminence. <laughs> so if it's Jesus wearing the robes, how many of you know it's kingly robes he's wearing? It's kingly robes if he's wearing the robes because he's king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible says he takes off his kingly robes and lays them aside and picks up a servant's towel. Now, to wash feet in that culture was considered to be the lowest form of servitude. I mean, the servant that's on the bottom rung of the ladder, the servant that's at the bottom of the totem pole is the one who got that job. That's the new guy's job. If you've been there a while, if you have higher standing as a servant in the household, you're not going to be the one washing feet. The, my point is this. Jesus, who is king of kings, takes off his kingly robes and does the least of all jobs. Why? Because he loved these men. He saw the need and he met the need. The Bible says he poured water over those feet. Wiped them with that towel. I believe this is what some would say is a foreshadowing of things to come. Matter of fact, he goes on and tells them, he says, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you're going to know hereafter. See, he's about to go to the cross and do for them what only he could do. He's about to lay down his life for them at the cross, for us at the cross. Doing for mankind what they couldn't do for themselves. And he says, this is just a precursor for what I'm going to. Now, if we're going to be like Jesus, should we not humble ourselves and be about the business of serving others? And I want to tell you this. If you're going to live the abundant life, It'll be a life of service. Truly will. This week, I was telling the folks as we were about to leave, I guess not before last. It's been a long week, man. Everybody was tired and hot. It's difficult, but it's addictive. I love it. I love it. When you start being what you've been saved to be, you want to keep doing that. You're not happy unless you are doing that. Folks, let me tell you something. God has saved you to serve.
Pray that God gives you opportunity to do what He wants in His kingdom. Maybe you need to teach a class. We're about to get new teachers for the upcoming church year. Maybe you need to work in vacation Bible school. There's all kinds of different ways you can serve right here through this church. You may want to be a part of our worship ministry. You may want to be a part of, of, of our media crew. However God wants you to serve, let's be about the business. There's joy in it. Everybody stand together. This is your invitation. If you're here this morning and you've not yet been saved, we always want to give the opportunity for you to come and trust in Jesus. Now, I've told you before, I'll tell you again, walking in this aisle don't save you. And I certainly can't save you. Being in this church don't save you. But I'll tell you this, God is able to save you this morning if you'll trust in Him right here in this church. If you need the Lord and you need to be saved, you say, come to somebody, Brother Israel, I want to be saved today. And I'll show you through the Word of God what it means to trust in Jesus. If you're here and you are saved today, won't you just come and say, Lord, here I am. Here's my life. I want you to use me for your honor and for your glory. Whatever, God, I'm giving everything to you. You cannot experience abundant living until you become a servant right here in the body of Christ. Whatever you need to do today, you do it. This is your invitation time. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 20. The Bible says, For ye are bought with a price. I love this. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. See, if you're here today and there's been a time when you trusted in Jesus and were born again into His family. At that moment in time, the Bible says the blood of Christ was applied to your heart and life. You have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. You know what that means? It's no longer about what you want. It's no longer about what I want or, or what I feel or what I would want to do or what I don't want to do. Now because I've been bought with a price, I am His. It's about what He wants. And child of God, I'll tell you, you'll never experience the joy of the Lord, the abundant life, the peace, the purpose of God, the contentment in Jesus until you fully surrender and allow Him to be Lord of everything. You got to do that. You got to do that. You must do that. I don't know what that looks like for you, but whatever it is, what are you waiting on? Listen, if the Lord's led you to join this church, join it. If God's called you to preach, preach. Whatever God's called you to, do it. If you need to be baptized, you've been saved but you've never been baptized, that's a big deal. Get baptized. Amen. Whatever you need today. Man, don't wait. I'm telling you, the Lord is stirring in the hearts of people this morning. There's been a powerful spirit here. The Holy Spirit doing a powerful work right here this morning. Don't squander that.
Play, play one more stanza, brother. If you need the Lord, don't. what are you waiting on? Oh, won't you come? Well, amen. You are dismissed. Come back at 5 o'clock for discipleship training, 6 o'clock for worship this evening. I love you, church. So good to be back with you this morning.